This morning, let's start off and uh, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, starting with verse 1. This is a, for me, I think it's a, it's a kind of a disturbing passage of the Bible. It's always bothered me. And uh, so we can, you know, have it bother us together this morning. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering in one of the mountains, I shall tell you. Just let that one sit in just for a minute. Hey, Abraham, take your son and go kill him. Burn him as a sacrifice to me. So what did Abraham do? Verse 3. So Abraham rose in the, in early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He's going to go off and do it. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. Just, just, <laughs> like, just think about that just for a minute. So he took the wood and laid it on his son. Think about what is his son doing? Like, what is he looking at his dad like, what? Like, just, okay. I, it's hard for me even to wrap my hand. And it gets worse. Yeah. Uh, latter part of verse 6. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. <laughs> okay, finally his son, he, he speaks up. And Isaac says, uh, Dad? Meaning, my father. <laughs> uh, and he said, here I am. I'm here. And he says, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, I will, God will provide for himself the lamb. And so they went, both of them together. <laughs> okay. When they came to the place which God had told them, Abraham built an altar, laid the wood, and bound Isaac, tied him up. Seems like a sick movie. Like, what's going on here? Laid him on top of the altar and on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But, verse 11, but, phew, okay. But the angel of the Lord called to him and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I always, I don't know why I like that so much. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am. And verse 12, he said, Do not lay a hand on your boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear the God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from him. You have not withheld your son. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went, took the ram, and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Whew. 
kind of an intense story. And honestly, one that I'm not very comfortable with. Uh, but there's a lot, I think, in here and something, there's stuff in here that have really sort of spoken to me personally. Um, so I, allow me to just share a, a quick a personal story. So I have a son, Isaac, who actually is Isaac's namesake from the Bible. And uh, he's currently going to uh, school at uh, MSU in Bozeman, Montana. And uh, he's played hockey most of his life and was really excited to be, he's on the hockey team there at the school. And uh, a few Saturdays, Saturdays ago, uh, he was playing in actually Missoula. It was one of his first games. And I actually, I was pretty excited to watch him because I haven't seen him play for a while with COVID and so forth and so on. And it was streaming. So I wasn't there, of course. I was, I was at home. Um, but it was streaming on the internet. So I was, I was watching my kid play. Um, I was really kind of excited. However, literally his first shift uh, in the game, like we're talking just a stride or two onto the ice, and uh, he got bumped kind of in an awkward way and literally just crumpled onto the ice, uh, holding his knee, screaming in agony, and I'm like, oh, geez. And, uh, and he didn't get, didn't get up. And so they stopped the game, and, you know, coaches and the then paramedics came out. And like 10 minutes later, the ambulance came. They put him on a stretcher and wheeled him off. And... <laughs> I'm at home <laughs> looking at this on the screen. I'm like, what in the world? Uh, but I tell you, it's, um, it's tough. It's tough. I, I don't, it's hard for me to describe as a father how I was feeling then. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing. You know how these things go, right? There's the facts of the story. You know, like a newsreel. This happened, this happened, this happened. Because he, he clearly wasn't, you know, mortally wounded. It wasn't a headshot or something. But, but then there's the thing that really happens, right, that's like deep in your heart. And, and that was kind of where I was. Like this was, this was upsetting for a, a number of reasons. So, you know, here I was watching my son from several hundred miles away uncertain condition, paramedics having wheeled him off to the hospital. And here's the deal, folks. I was 100% powerless to do anything. I couldn't do anything. Not one thing. I, I, I couldn't call him. I couldn't do anything. Um, yeah, so there I was on the couch feeling upset. And you know, it seems like this is how it works in situations like this. Because there I was, God showed up. And you know, this isn't one of those stories where God showed up and I felt a deep peace. No, it's not actually one of those. No, it's not one of those. That happens, by the way, because God's a great God. And he does show up and comfort us. And he is a strong tower, for sure. In this particular instance, it wasn't really like that. No, he shows up, God shows up, and in my heart, he, he did something. He, he changed something in a way that is 100% indescribable. I mean, I could 
sort of try, and this morning we'll sort of be talking about that, but it's, it's, it's not really one of those things that words can adequately portray. For me, this episode turned into something. Not my son getting hurt, but what God did, right? Turned to a, into a marker of sorts for my life. And basically, what he did was he impressed again to me how important it is to give back what he's given to me. God pointed me to this story that we just read in Genesis. This story about a father who was asked to sacrifice, murder, sacrifice his son, burn him, literally take his son, tie him up, and burn him for a god. His son, which happens to be named Isaac, my son's name. Abraham was asked to give back the promised miracle son. Do you all remember this story? The story of Isaac? It's a crazy story. This is a story where, remember, a long time ago, right? Before Abraham was Abraham, and he was Abram. And his wife wasn't Sarah, it was Sarai. And they're in the desert. And God gave Abraham a promise. He said, look at the stars. And I'm going to make your descendants more numerous than the stars. Remember this promise? But then years and years, literally three decades went by. Nothing. To the point where when the two angels showed up and told Abraham, well, Abram still, hey, you're about to have a son. What did Sarai do? Remember? She laughed. (laughs) I love that little bit. The angel's like, hey, why are you laughing? Anyway, I, I just like that. I just call her out. I wasn't laughing. Yeah, you were. <laughs> um, this was the promised son. And now, why is this interesting? It's like, is this, this, this a line that disappeared into nothingness? No, this line, this was the line that the Messiah came through. Okay? This is the start of God's chosen people, the vine that we have been grafted into. This was the start of this. This was the start of the Israeli nation, the people of Israel. And God was asking Abraham to stop it, to kill his only son, to sacrifice his only son, and to be biblical about it, to give back, to fully relinquish his only son to God. And you know what? Abraham was going to do it. And, you know, honestly, I still struggle with this. How could a good God, like, all... But the point being, I'm not going to go down that road this morning. It's an uncomfortable story. That's okay, right? The point being is that God was asking Abraham to relinquish control of something that was... This wasn't a vice. This was his son. And not just any son. This was the promised miracle son.
So as I was sitting there on the couch, God asked me to give back my son as well. Might sound trivial, and when you say it in words, it sounds relatively trivial. Um, it's not trivial to me. It's hard. It's hard to give up. It's hard to let go. It's hard to hold the things that God gives us with open hands. It's hard. So there I am on the couch later in bed, and I was asked by God again. You know, I keep coming back, right? Because this is hard. Give back to him what he's given to me. See, God has given me the gift of a fantastic wife and two awesome boys. And God wants to be their Lord directly. He, he doesn't want, like, he, he doesn't want them to have any sort of relate. He doesn't want to go through me. He wants to have a relationship directly with them. And really, do I want it any different? Well, actually, if I'm being honest, sometimes I do want it different. Because I tell myself I know better. Because, you see, I want my boys... I don't want them hurt. I want them happy. And I want them successful. Right? But that's not what God wants. What does God want? God wants them. And in that way, they have the most abundant life. You see, with my son... He, the road to most abundant life is not having a great season on the, great, on the ice. No. The road to abundant life is my son giving himself over completely to Christ. And guess what? Me too. I have to give my son to Christ. Well, I don't have to, but that's definitely the best way. So the question was, and honestly still is for me today. Do I trust God? Yeah, yeah, we hear the Christianese version of this, right? Oh, just trust in Jesus. Yeah, but you see, for me, I was on the couch, and I actually had to decide if I was going to do that. There's been other times in my life, too. But it's not the philosophical, religious stuff it's the real life. Like, do I actually trust God? Do I actually believe what he says? Do I believe, like, deeply that God is good? Not good in the religious sense. Good. Do I believe that? Like, do I believe it to the point where I can put my weight on it? Or closer to home for me? Do I believe it enough? Do I trust God enough for my boys? I don't mean, oh, something's going wrong. Let me pray and have God fix that. That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. I'm not meaning that God should heal his knee. What I mean is, do I trust God to take care of my boys? Do I? Or am I going to do it myself and then run to God when I get in trouble? Which, by the way, is better than nothing. 
God demands to be first. It's not a philosophical demand. It's concrete. It's real life. You see, God wants to give us full life, not some sort of philosophically coherent one, but an actual full life. Anything we hold more dear than God is by definition an idol. Anything, including my kids. Yes, God must be first. You see, God, our God, he's like a father who wants the actual best for his child, not just for them to be happy. All the parents in here, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yes, you want your kids to be happy, but at the end of the day, you want them to have a well-rounded, solid, be like good, like, like, and that doesn't necessarily always mean that they're happy. In fact, sometimes it means they're super unhappy, as we all know. It's like a coach who wants their players to perform at the highest level. It's like a doctor who is causing a lot of pain for an extended period of time. Why? For the greater good. So in the case of my kid who has to have knee surgery, it's going to not be fun. Also, he'll get to play after that. We think we want God to be the vending machine in the sky that helps us fix everything. To be the magic super glue to put things back together. But the problem with that is that God is God, not us. God wants to be in intimate relationship with us. But in order for that to happen, he must be first. You see, he wants to walk with us in the kingdom of heaven. And remember, the kingdom of heaven is not just this far off thing in the sky, although it is that, true, it is that as well. But the kingdom of heaven is also now, but not yet. We get to walk with, king, with God now in his economy. We get to have relationship with Jesus. Take a moment. Think about what's important to you these days. Just, just take a moment. I'll wait here. What's important? We all have things that are important to us. It's kind of making a mental list. So how tightly are you holding on to those? Hmm? How tightly? So if God were to say, whatever thing on the list this is, that you're done with it, you need to give it up, would you do it? Would you? Would you believe God that he's good and he has the best? A special relationship? House? Job? I mean, these are all good things. If God asks you to sacrifice that, would you? Is your hands, your hands open? Open? Or do you want to control? 
I'll tell you, I confess, I too often want to control. Because that's really the core sin, right? We want to be on the throne of our own lives. We want to be in charge. We want, we think we know. That's the lie. We think we know best. We don't just sort of think. We're convinced. And if God would simply fall in line, things would be better. I mean, honestly, isn't that how, how are our, like, I'm just looking at myself. How are my prayers? What, what do my prayers look like? What do they sound like? I confess, too often my prayers are like, hey, God, I've messed this thing up. Please help. Hey, God, I don't like the way this is going. Please fix it. Hey, God, can you... Now, the cool thing is, God is, he's awesome. And he does that because he loves us and he's our dad. But is he in charge? Do we put our weight on him? is our living center. I wonder what would have happened if Isaac, or excuse me, if Abraham would have refused. Think about the amazing rationalization that was there. Like, you know, in all honesty, I can't sit here and say, well, if Abraham wouldn't have done that, then we wouldn't have a nation of Israel. I don't know how I could say that. I mean, Isaac would have still been alive. Like, who knows what would happen, right? But God wouldn't have been God. Let's look and see. Remember, look what God said. He said uh, in verse, chapter, uh, verse 11, or sorry, verse 12. He says, don't lay a hand on your boy or do anything. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. For now I know that you fear God. So we say as Christians, oh yeah, I want to fear God. I serve God. Do you? What's great is that Abraham did give his son back. And we would do well to give ours. So again, I, I come back to, honestly, I, I share with you, I find it appalling that God would ask Abraham to sacrifice his son. To me, that's like, how do you even, I, I literally can't wrap my head around that. I can't wrap my head around, you know, if I, my Isaac, like I'm tying him up. I, 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 I literally, I can't even, I can't keep going. Like, literally, I, I just, I can't. I mean, crying out loud, my son hurt his knee, and I'm, I'm on the couch a mess. <laughs> knee, right? Not sacrificing. The thing is, like, I, I, anyway, I, I can't figure it out. But here's the thing. God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son which is hard to get my head wrapped around. But you know what? You know what God did himself? God sacrificed his own son. That happened. 
Now, in this particular case, there was a ram in the bushes. But you know what? When Jesus was on the cross, no ram in the bushes. No last-minute save. Nope. At the end, at the very last moment, like in the movies, God didn't swoop in and decimate the Romans. No. Guess what? Christ, the Son of God, died. And lest you mistakenly think that, like, it was somehow not traumatic, what did Jesus do in the garden? He sweat drops of blood and asked his dad, what are you doing? Can I not do this? But, but your will, not mine. God did not ask Abraham to do anything that God wasn't going to do himself. Literally, God, the God of the universe, took his own son, his only son, whom he loved. And as the Bible says, was well pleased and sacrificed him for you and for me so that we can have eternal relation with him. The fullest life we can live is a life centered on Jesus. By centered on Jesus, I mean giving up control Anything, anything else other than Jesus will result in less. I don't mean spiritually less. Literally, a life less full, less abundant. You know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation a little bit earlier today about getting older and so forth. I'm starting to get older. Um, and as I reflect on my life, um, I have a... You know, I have a few decades now that I can reflect on. And as I reflect, do you know the things that I cherish the most? You know what they are? Maybe they're the things that like, you know, oh, like things I've been working on really hard or big accomplishments or something like that. No. You know the things that I, that I, that I enjoy the most, that I, I really appreciate, that are the most meaningful to me? They're the trees that God planted back in the day. And they keep growing. They keep growing in my life. Why? Because I'm amazing? Oh no. Despite the fact that I'm lame, they keep growing. And so when I look back and I look to see what God has done, what, not the times he bailed me out, which have been numerous, not the times that he's answered prayer, Again, countless times. No, no. I'm talking about the fact that the gifts that he gives me, the trees, the goodness that he plants in my life, when I look back, those are the things 
that I'm most grateful for. What trees has God planted in your life? Not what trees have you planted. If you're anything like me, you probably are. Those are more like weeds. Just saying. What trees? Because God, he, he does a good job with this kind of thing. What trees have you? These are the things that are worth it. And the way that this happens, the way that God is able to cultivate a garden in our life to, for life most abundant is for us to relinquish control. Before we take communion, let's all close our eyes this morning. And uh, let's reflect. Let's take a little bit of time. I, I think I'm a little bit earlier than Pastor Mike usually is. So let's, let's take an opportunity and take some time. Let's take some time to think about the things that we hold most dear in our life. Let's take inventory. Let's think about what are the Isaacs in our life. What are the things that, you know, if we're being honest, our life kind of revolves around. They're just really important. And maybe some of them are not necessarily good, but chances are they're probably all good, meaning in the sense that we think about that. So what are those things? Are we holding on to those with open hands or a closed fist? Do we want to take control or not? So, Lord, I pray that you would, oh, in the way that you do, it's very uncomfortable. But Lord, I pray that you would take your Holy Spirit and just shine that big, bright searchlight in our life. Lord, that you would Give us a glimpse of how you see things. Lord, in fact, right now, Lord, I pray that you would be God here this morning. That you would come down and that you would reveal yourself. Because only then, only then can we know ourselves. Lord, I pray that you work in our life. That, Lord, I, I give up. I, I surrender. I, Lord, forgive me for being in control. Forgive me for wanting my own way. Lord, again, I, I acknowledge the fact that you are God. The God of the universe. And somehow, somehow, for some reason, you loved us enough that you literally sacrificed your own son. So Lord, I acknowledge the fact that you're God and that you sent your son, a son born of a virgin, living a perfect life. Why? So that our wrongdoing, our sin, could be taken care of to be wiped clean 
so that we can be blameless in your sight, so that we can literally walk in communion with you. See, the great thing is that this isn't just a religion. Um, that's the boring bit. This is a real-life relationship with the God of the universe. Lord, th thank you for sending your son. And we acknowledge the fact that you, you did. He, he lived a blameless life and that he was killed, died. Not a figurative death, but he literally, Jesus died. And on the third day, miraculously, rose again, proving that you've conquered death so that we can also live with you. Full life. Life. So forgive us of our sins, Lord. Forgive my sin. Come into my heart. Lord, walk with me all day, every day. Help me to live a life of open hands and to enjoy the trees that you've given me and to stick close to you even though sometimes life is not the most fun. <laughs>